This is the Quantum Biology Podcast, where we break down the practical health applications of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. In this episode, quantum clinician and educator Carrie Bennett walks us through her discovery of quantum biology. From her start as a biology major to her journey through fascial therapy and nutrition, and into the new paradigm that connects it all. If you follow Carrie on Instagram, at Carrie B. Wellness, this is a great overview of her work and approach, covering her years of research into the science behind quantum health and hydration. Carrie is also the lead faculty member of the Applied Quantum Biology Certification. This is an episode you may want to bookmark for multiple listens. Enjoy. My name is Carrie Bennett, and I am what I guess I call myself now a quantum nutritionist uh, because I've made the jump to recognize the importance of circadian rhythm and sunlight and all the stuff that we can talk about and the importance that it plays in health and particularly how it's affected my journey. So I do see clients on a regular basis. I've got my own private practice where I see clients on a regular basis, and I love to delve into not only nutrition, but actually how nutrition relates to sunlight hydration and grounding. Those are big for me. And they became big for me because I guess my own personal search for optimum health, I I don't have a specific like one debilitating condition that really kicked me off into this journey. Instead, it was almost like always searching for something that was maybe happening in my life, in my body at the time. And it led me to another thing, to another thing. And then, you know, here I am in this quantum realm um, today. So, uh, so it started off, basically, I was a college athlete and I was a decrepit college athlete at the end of my senior year. You know, I'd had shoulder surgery. I had ankle sprains. My knees felt as creaky as could possibly be, like woke up in pain. I couldn't recover. And it was like, wait a second, like, this isn't normal for a 23 year old. Like, why does my body feel so beat down, so broken down? Uh, I guess partner that with the fact that I went to a small liberal arts college. So I went to Kalamazoo College, which is known for partly for its science department. So, you know, I dove into science all throughout college. And, you know, I, it was basically like when you graduate with a biology degree from Kalamazoo College, you should be, should, should become, you know, a doctor or a PhD. And I had like this mental breakdown at the end of my senior year. It just didn't feel like the right path for me to explore. And I knew my body was calling me in some way. And I also was like, wait a second, I'm at the end of my sports career. And now I have to figure out how to take care of my body. Like I don't have a coaches, a coach telling me, uh, lift like this, eat like this, uh, exercise, you know, sprint like this. I didn't have these, this book of guidelines. And so I basically had to become my own guidebook. I had to start to come up with my own protocols to figure out what best served me. And so, you know, I had a lovely conversation with my very supportive parents and said, you know, this was a beautiful college experience. Thank you. And now I want to become a massage therapist and I want to become a personal trainer. And they were like, Okay, you know, and so I basically went from like this hardcore science, you know, background in college and undergrad to then all of a sudden I'm in this way more esoteric, like, like this, uh, this almost like I can't conceptualize what's going on in the body in massage, but massage feels good. And when I, and it felt great to my body. And when I hold these acupuncture points on other people and on myself, I can feel 
feel change happening in the body. And then, you know, I always felt great with movement, with exercise. Um, and so while all of a sudden then when I'm taking my movement, maybe more outdoors, am I feeling better about in my body with the specific type of movement? And so this all combined to really make me recognize, wait a second, there's something going on in the body that's beyond what I studied, you know, uh, of this like old school model of the cell as like this bag, this bag of water, basically with a bunch of random proteins in it that's doing work. And it, it's helped me really connect what's going on in my body with what's then going on at the very, very deep subatomic particle level. But then how I can apply this, these things that I've learned in order to just not only maximize my health, because now, you know, I'm 40, almost 40, and I feel amazing. I feel a hundred times better than I did when I was a college athlete, when I should have been at the pinnacle of my physical health, my, uh, my fitness level. Um, and then just as a side note with that, you know, I've, I've had three children uh, since then, right? You know, so I've got three babies, three beautiful children. And after my first child, I, my health just tanked. And I didn't know what it was at the time. So like any good science nerd, I said, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go get a master's degree, right? So let me, let me learn about myself and get a master's degree. So I got a master's degree in applied clinical nutrition to basically try to heal my gut issues, to heal my insomnia, to heal my like super low energy. What I guess you would think about these days as adrenal fatigue, which is not a term that I tend to use, but that's one of the words that we hear thrown around. And I recognize that I was as blue light toxic as is humanly possible. Um, and that, that bl excessive blue light at night, sleeping with the nightlight on sleep, my kids sleeping with the nightlight on me staring at this phone. Then in the middle of the night, asking myself, why isn't my kid sleeping? Google, tell me why my kid's not sleeping. It, 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 it all started to tie together, you know, and then I found the work of some amazing quantum minds, right? I've got, I keep a running list of like, I got like 40 quantum minds that I love. Um, I'm sure there's plenty more out there, but I all started to come together. It was like my light environment was what made me feel good when I switched to working out outside and being outside more. My light environment shifted when I had a baby and was trying to get this baby to sleep through the night. And then I started to go, fall down that rabbit hole of, oh, the quantum realm. That is really where it's at. And so I've been applying it to myself and then to my clients for a while now. And it's just, it's, it's my go-to. It's my number one go-to in terms of taking care of clients and myself. Wow. That's a fantastic story. I Thank love you. it. You might need to share your quantum minds list with us. <laughs> I do I keep a running tally I was like oh, oh God, I gotta go so back great. into that person's work that person's work yeah, <laughs> yeah but, and that's yeah that's how we operate we just kind of keep looking and we're like oh we found someone talking about it right grasp. exactly um, that is such a cool story I love it um I also found this because of uh postpartum chronic fatigue um yeah and yeah just not wanting to micromanage food for three children for the rest of my adult life. <laughs> there has to be something else I'm missing. I, yeah, like when I, I believe the phrase was that Jack said was, uh, you can eat shit on a shingle if, you, <laughs> if you're outside, right? Like that's one of his go-tos. And it was, I was like, wait a second, I really got to break this down and figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm curious, I'd love to explore a little more um, 
because my understanding is that traditionally trained biologists um, still believe that there's no quantum mechanism at work in a biological system. Can you, can you talk mm -hmm. about your journey from one paradigm to another? hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. So, and, and I want to preface this by saying I've loved my undergraduate education in biology. I, it, you know, it just really uh, looking at the body on such a, what I thought was microscopic level was really cool to me. But now looking back on it, I realized that I think two of the most important aspects of biology are really missing from this. Number one, I think uh, the water, like water gets taken out of the study of biology all the time. And then light, photon, energy, like that gets taken out. So the electrical component of the body gets eliminated as well. And so when, when I studied water 20 years ago, uh, or when I studied biology 20 years ago, it was, oh, and when the mitochondria make energy, this ATP, this master molecule, right, they also make water, you know, but don't worry about the water. Or like in chemical reactions, bio chemical reactions, it was like, oh, and water is a byproduct of what's what, what like the real star is over here. And so um, I, I didn't really have any concept of how important water was until I got into massage therapy. And it you can feel the difference in a biological system when someone has hydrated tissue versus dehydrated tissue and how simply uh, drinking more water or moving in a way that uh, hydrates the tissue makes people feel better. And so uh, that, you know, throughout that too, it's like, you know, you're in an anatomy lab and you, and they say, oh, uh, let's take a look at the lungs, but you have to cut away this, this, just cut away this fascia, right? This is just, it's just there. It's like the support structure of the body. You know, it's, it's the bricks and mortar, but don't worry about it. It really doesn't do anything. Let's take a look at the real thing. Let's take a look at the organ itself. And when I actually felt fascia change for the first time under my hands with pressure and, and, and myofascial release techniques and things, it was, amazing. I was like, wait a second. That's not just like this dead spider web that I saw uh, in an anatomy lab. That's actually living tissue with energy. It's wild, right? But you know, Fritz Pop, we know we, know we actually release biophotons from our hands. But so that's, we can actually change fascia in real time using pressure, using energy, maybe this photon exchange, not quite sure what happens with that. I have an opinion, but not quite exactly sure what happens on that. Um, and it was just this amazing re realization that what I was taught all along was only part of the story and maybe a very small part of the story because the true, the true magic of the human body happens in the water network of the body. It happens with the light and the electromagnetic environment that surrounds the body and that also our own protons give to the water network in the body. And so it's the, the water is where it's at. And uh, it was something that I just completely uh, ignored or was ignored in my, my uh, college education, which was unfortunate, but it ultimately led me to this. So I'm super excited that now that my brain is making these connections and I can see holy cow, this is really where the outside world meets my body, where my body talks to the outside world. So cool. Super so cool. cool. It's so and I cool. Love, I love the, the journey that your intuition took you on, like starting with biology and being an athlete and then moving to massage and then moving to nutrition and then moving to quantum, which 
brings everything together. I really recognize like basically you're, you're the universe learning about itself. And I, I know that I was guided to go in this direction. It didn't make sense at the time, but I did. I, I, I had this tug to go away from the hard science research and more towards this, like what was considered woo by my, by classmates and stuff like this woo woo realm of biology or health, health and wellness, you know? Um, and it's it, now my brain is like this computer of like these, all these connections. And it's like amazing how the, my journey has like unfolded with this. It's like, okay, I get it now. I understand why it went this way. I understand why I had a mental breakdown. And now I am so excited just to keep learning more and more about all these connections. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Once you, you have the experience of it all coming together. Yeah. And then it builds more trust in, you know, I have more trust in my intuition, more trust in the universe. It's the next thing is going to be what it needs to be as well. Yeah. I, that's, I, I mean, I, okay. So I love that you just used the word intuition. So the word intuition is thrown around a lot. And I think it's an important thing to get back to. I find that a majority of clients that I work with are either they don't trust their intuition or they're just not in tune with it. So as a clinician, I don't want a client to rely on me much at all. I want them to get in their own bodies. Um, but, but in, instead of getting in our own bodies, it's like, I, and I've used these things, right. But we've got aura rings to tell us how we slept, or we've got, uh, you know, what are they called? Uh, Fitbits that tell us how far we've walked, how many steps we've walked, how many calories we've burned. Um, it goes to like, oh, your heart rate variability. That's an interesting measure of your stress, but it, I think it takes us out of our actual body tissues and checking in with our body on a regular basis. And so something that I do see shift that has shifted in me profoundly ever since I've really started to tie this whole quantum realm into biological health, my own health is I don't, I don't rely on any of those things anymore. Not that they're bad. Every once in a while, I'll put something on and check in with what's happening in my body. But I feel like my body is guiding me in a way because I'm more in tune to the frequencies of nature and the frequencies of my own body. And that just allows me to assess, oh yeah, I had good sleep. Oh yeah, my body feels good. I can move right now. Yeah, it's just, it's a different way of thinking about my body and it's way more intuitive. Yes, absolutely. Funny, we're on the same wavelength. I was thinking about all of those topics this morning. <laughs> Meditation, I'm like, you need a mentor, not a guru. And, right. And, and paying attention to, to your light environment naturally connects you to nature, right? Like I can go outside and be like, oh, the sun is at that point in the trees. It must be this time of day, right? Like I never would have, you know. And You're exactly right. It's like, yeah. yeah, as opposed to being like, what time is it exactly? It's like, oh yeah, the sun's just coming up. That's why my brain is starting to wake up. You know, I, I'm feeling it now <laughs> as long as I'm outside, right? <laughs> so getting back to the water and the light, could mm -hmm. you um, sort of explain in your words what's sure. happening with our body when we are outside? What's happening with the, the light and the water in our body and the light from the sun? Sure. Okay. So when I started to realize that the health of our body really d depended on our light environment, and I think of our light environment, both as what our external light environment and our internal light environment, and then the water network of our body. And then the, as part of the light, I guess you would call it right. The electromagnetic spectrum that we surround ourselves with. I started to recognize that, um, 
the only way we could, all those things could really interact and we could get this instantaneous communication throughout the whole body system is through a, a connective tissue network we have called fascia. So um, back in the day when I was in college, there was this exhibit that came uh, that was traveled around the world. Right? It was called, I think it's called the Body Works exhibit, where you could, you know, see plasticized, you know, human figure, if you will, in various ways. And one of them that stuck with me was um, every single uh, blood vessel got plasticized and then all the rest of the tissue got dissolved away. And but what you saw with with this was almost an exact replica of the person that was there because we know that the blood network penetrates almost everywhere in the body. And so then it got me thinking, but wait a second, there's actually a, a network even more profound than that, that is, is even further reaching and deeper reaching than the, the circulatory system. And it's called our connective tissue, our fascia, our living matrix. And a pet peeve of mine is that we don't have one word to describe it because I think it's been ignored because of that. It's not like a heart organ, right? It's not this organ that we can see. It's everywhere to the extent that literally every single piece of my connective tissue, my fascia, collagen, call it what you want, literally touches the DNA and all of the uh, organelles inside of every single cell. So we now know that this tissue goes from these big bands, like this IT band along the side of my thigh, all the way to the deep, deep parts of my cell. It surrounds my cells as part of my extracellular matrix. So it helps the cells keep a certain configuration in tissues. And then it actually, through these things that were discovered called in integrins or integrins, the, it actually travels into the cell, forms this architecture called the cytoskeleton of the cell. And then it actually goes deeper. It penetrates into the nucleus of the cell and then uh, it is the nuclear matrix and touches the DNA. And the crazy part about it in my brain is that, so, so this connective tissue literally goes everywhere. It connects everything and it's surrounded by water and it's surrounded by a very specific type of water called exclusion zone water that I think gives the whole body this, the ability to create this communication network, this coherent network that then can interact with the light outside, the light inside, electricity, and all of it all comes together through the connective tissue. That's so cool. I didn't really know about that. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's just, it's like a different, it's a, for, for me, it's a different realm of uh, looking at quantum. Um, I am a huge believer in circadian rhythm. I think that that is super important, right? The sun basically tells that control tower, you know, what's happening, but my brain all, and this was true in undergrad too, and true in my quantum investigations was how does it happen? How do these things happen? instantaneously or how do these things happen in this in in, in molecular in like molecular biology when i'm sitting in, in class i was like it's in, okay interesting something binds to the receptor receptor uh you know you get this like g coupled protein action this downward cascade in the cell so like something happens where it's a it's seemingly a bunch of reactions inside of the cell but what coordinates all that and so then I came to realize, you know, through the work of, you know, Fritz Pop and I, Mei Wen Ho, that, that all of this is connected via light. Light is like the speed of light. So the speed of light, things can happen so quickly in the human body through light and electricity, which is just another form of light, right? Through light that literally coordinates every single cellular task at 
all the way throughout the body. And so once I realized that we had to have some sort of a signal that coordinated everything instantaneously, my brain automatically went to, well, water needs to be where that light interacts with in order to convey this message at a very, very fast rate. And so we actually know this is a, a separate um, behavior of fascia, but we know that fascia is piezoelectric, meaning when it responds to com like touch, compression, bending, shifting, and it generates its own electric current that goes throughout the fascia to tell the body a little bit about what's happening with the bones in space and the muscles in space. So once I, it, my brain started to wrap around that piezoelectricity, I also understood that that water network simply is a receiver of the light frequencies our, of our environment and it conveys it instantaneously to the rest of the body. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, water. Go fascia. <laughs> okay. So now that makes perfect sense why you are very focused on hydration. Yes. So, so hydration is definitely a big component of what I talk about. Um, this, it was interesting in terms of, I've heard, I've seen people interact with water in different ways and have profound healing benefits. So I've seen people interact with water simply by drinking more. And it's like by drinking more water, they felt better. They felt more energy, pain started to go away. I've actually then had clients who couldn't, you know, budge from a specific condition or pain or fatigue, or potentially they were looking to lose weight. And they went to a hot spring or to an ocean. And over that week of vacationing, they visited and got in this water a lot and their body all of a sudden just felt, uh, felt much better. And so with that, I do focus a lot on hydration. Um, it, it, if we think of it this way, a lot of us have had this experience of either being an athlete on a hot day or simply being walking around on a hot day being outside in the heat, it dehydrates us if we're not replenishing our water. That dehydration actually then corresponds with us feeling low energy. Maybe we get a headache. Um, it de definitely for athletes, it really impacts athletic performance. And so then the solution was let's put more water in and to get more energy. It wasn't, I need to eat more food. It was, I need to rehydrate my tissues. So that's where also you can see, I focus on the water because literally the type of water that we have in our body forms its own energy source, almost like a supplemental, or I would actually like to say a primary energy source that our body can use to, to make energy and drive reactions and drive, drive all the work that our cells have to do. So by focusing on drinking water and also rehydration strategies that go beyond just water consumption. Uh, I, it's, it's profound because it will impact that whole network. And then when we interact with the light, we're more likely to uh, be able to receive that light, send that message where it needs to go coordinate all of our cellular tasks. And so hydration is key uh, through both what we drink and then how we hydrate in other ways. So what would those other ways be? So, well, let, let me talk about the water really quickly first. So in terms of actually drinking water, I hate, I don't, more is not better. So if we're drink, if we're focusing only on drinking water, we have to focus on the quality of water that we're drinking. Because unfortunately, these days in the municipal tap system, we have things like fluoride, chlorine, um, you'll, you have PFAS, these forever chemicals, you have glyphosate, um, you know, pesticides, and all of uh, heavy metals as well. So all of these things we know can cause us, you know, can cause the body to create some sort of a dysfunction or a disease or inflammation. 
And what I found is with these specific chemicals that are found in certain water systems, that these chemicals actually negatively interact with the fascia. As an example, glyphosate, that uh, pesticide that's found in Roundup, there's a specific chemical that's found in glyphosate that what specifically glyphosate looks a lot like an amino acid found in our connective tissue, found in our fascia called glycine. Glycine creates this beautiful, healthy fascia. This fascia has like this spiraling, beautiful structure in the body. And that spiraling structure of the body in the body allows the conductivity of electricity and water and light. When glycine is replaced with the glyphosate version of glycine, it interrupts that electrical conductivity. It changes the shape of collagen slightly to the extent that it no longer, or it has a harder time interacting, creating structured water, creating this beautiful water hydration network, and then therefore interacting with the light in our environment. And so I do find it's important to make sure that we're aware of We are now aware that these chemicals directly can impact the fascial system, and when they impact the fascial system, they change the water's ability to receive the light and communicate the message. So then I suggest ultimately, you know, you can have your water tested, um, but we want to filter it in some way. Or in an ideal world, we're all drinking this beautiful mountain runoff glacial melt spring water. Um, If that's a possibility for you, awesome. If not, there are companies that will will definitely remove the toxins so you can get a reverse osmosis filter. You can get a reverse osmosis jug. Actually, there's companies that do that, but you have to remineralize the water because these beautiful, the water that comes from these beautiful mountain runoffs has you know, interacted with the rock and it's full of minerals. And these minerals help our body to retain charge and bring in the light and structure the water and create this beautiful electrical conduct, conduct, uh, electrically conductive circuit that our body is. So it's really important to focus on the type of water that we're drinking. And then we want to focus on the type of water that our cells are making. So I can dive into that if you're ready. Okay, so so the type so our our cells actually, as I kind of alluded to back to my education, we make water as a byproduct of making ATP, our our energy currency of the body. This water is like the perfect biological water. So our mitochondria make it, and then this water can be structured because the mitochondria also make heat. They run at a slightly higher temperature. It's a beautiful paper by Nick Lane, right? So they run at this slightly higher temperature. And so the mitochondria will make heat as they make energy. And heat's just another word for light. And we now know that the interaction between the water and the mitochondria and this heat can help create this more conductive water throughout literally our whole entire bodies. We want to make more of this beautiful biological water. And we do that by burning fat as a fuel source. So as a nutritionist, I do like to focus on my clients switching from a pathway that I call sugar burning to switching to a pathway that I call fat burning. Essentially, we can burn these two pathways. And these days, we are driving the sugar burning pathway a ton. The consequence in terms of that water is that when we burn the sugar burning pathway, we make less water, a lot less, like four times less water. And we make less energy, less ATP, and we actually create more damage in the cell. So it's a metabolically more damaging process. And so if we can switch from being a sugar burner to a fat burner, we make 
four times more water, four times more energy. We structure that water with the heat production that's happening in the mitochondria. And so we get biological water, again, that's really appropriately conductive to my whole fascial network. Um, so switching from a sugar burner to a fat burner, I use a couple of different techniques. I use various combinations of intermittent fasting, low carb, high fat nutrition styles with fasted walks and making sure people are out at sunrise. Oh, and blocking blue light at night. Can I add it? I'm going to add that fifth one. So that there's some combination of those that I help clients tweak to find what really takes their body from this sugar burning pathway to using fat as a fuel source, which means that they're making this beautiful hydrated body tissue. Amazing. So could you, could you, um, summarize that one more time? Just like yeah. those, you know, just to recap, these are sure. the five ways to, to be, let's call it, we're going to call this quantum hydration. Quantum hydration. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So there are five things I like to do to make the body its own quantum hydrator. So besides taking water from the outside, number one, I like to, so we're switching people from a sugar burning metabolism to a fat burning metabolism, which means that we want to focus on what they're eating. That would be some form of intermittent fasting can help do that, as can a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet can do that as well. I like to call it nutrition plan. So a high-fat, low-carb nutrition plan can help with that. So looking at what that looks like to help the mitochondria burn fat. I also like to focus on uh, grounding movement first thing in the morning. That sets our circadian rhythm. We do know that in order for our mitochondria to burn fat as a fuel source, they have to uh, make sure that they've got a strong circadian rhythm they, to, to be able to do something called beta oxidation, the burning of the fat. So getting outside in the morning is really important. I like clients to couple that with some sort of movement in a fasted state because movement in a fasted state, the body really doesn't have a choice, but to start to burn fat as a fuel source. And as it burns that fat, it makes this beautiful biological water. And then lastly, at night, when the sun sets, we want to make sure that we're blocking blue light. So like the amber red versions of these glasses or apps, making sure we're creating more of that camp campfire atmosphere in the house in order to allow the, the body not to produce, get into a stressed out state where it actually starts to become a sugar burner again. So we want to make sure that we're blocking that blue light at night as well. Awesome. Um, and just for, for um, people who are brand new to these ideas, could you, when you say a fasted state, could you just explain that like that could mean like sure. before you eat breakfast in the morning, if you had an early dinner or sure. if that's correct, tell me. Yeah. So in terms of intermittent fasting, uh, I want, I like a client to be in a fasted state in the morning for when they're doing their grounding and their movement <clears throat> and their sunshine outside. So a fasted state looks like this. They'll cut, they'll cut dinner off the night before. And I, it's appropriate when that dinner and the meals are actually low carb, high fat, but especially dinner, that low carb, high fat dinner, let's say we cut it off at 6 PM. I like for clients to try to wait 16 ish hours. Sometimes some clients love to do more than that. And that's fine. What do what feels right. But you wait 16 hours then until you have your first meal again. And that's when you break your fast. So it's in this fasted state that the body doesn't have a bunch of stored sugar happening uh, from a high carb meal at dinner. And so it literally has to rely on burning fat as a fuel source in order to, uh, to go through the day and make energy that's needed to run all of our metabolic processes. Um, and that 16 hour window, would that be some, like a daily, 
so then you're eating dinner at six and you're not eating again until quite a ways through the next day. Is that something you do every day or occasionally or? I would say that I, I personally do that most days, just being a busy mom. It's, it's my body has gotten used to that. It's an, it's an easy strategy for me to go through in terms of, okay, I'm too busy in the morning making lunches, getting stuff ready for school, or I've got like morning clients that I'm seeing, or, you know, I'm trying to go on a walk and listen to a podcast of some sort. And so I love to use that as a strategy for myself. And I find that I'm not hungry in the morning. I'm just relying on my own internal fuel. And then somewhere between, oh, 11 and one is where I'll have a, a probably the biggest meal of the day. And then again, I have another meal sometime later on more towards five, six o'clock. That's just happens to be my particular pattern that works really well for me. Um, other clients find that they want to have maybe a 14 hour window and then they're eating three meals, higher fat, lower carb meals again to help fuel their bodies. So there is wiggle room. I, I hate set protocols, but I think it's important for people to realize that we have to start to tap into our own body fat as a fuel source and, and generate not only energy from it, but we also generate that metabolic water from it. And that's a very healing strategy for the body. Uh, I'm just going to check my list here. Um, is there anything that you like from what we've covered already that you want to add or... I would actually, I would like to talk a little bit more about the fascia and how we can take care of our fascia in order to help that conductivity happen. So we have this external hydration and then we're asking our body to burn fat as a fuel source for making this biological water, but it's through movement that the fascia truly funnels the water, if you will, along these fascial little tiny strands of fascia, connective tissue throughout the body, that hydration moves throughout the body. So um, maybe we've all had this experience. I don't know, but back in the day I had shoulder surgery, right? This was part of my college days. I had this shoulder surgery and I was asked to keep my arm in a sling for, oh, I think it was five weeks, maybe longer. By the time I was asked to take that arm out of the sling, I had frozen shoulder. And what that frozen shoulder is, is it's just a bunch of scar tissue that gets laid down. And from the lack of movement, it's dehydrated fascia. And so I think we all have dehydrated fascia or just areas where our fascia is not as pliable, not as able to conduct the currents because a lot of us just sit all day or we're in the same position all day, or it might be because of an injury, uh, a surgery. And so when the fascia is restricted in some way or whether when we're not moving, when we're not moving, we're actually not pushing water into the fascia. So one of the best things we can do to help make sure that happens is work on unique movement patterns uh, preferably outside grounded, right? Unique movement patterns where we're moving our body maybe in rotation because we don't rotate a lot, right? Or maybe we're doing something that uh, ex- extends the spine and works the back muscles because we're in all oftentimes in this forward flexed position all day. So unique movement of the fascia can really help to hydrate it. And then if there's ever an area of what we I call fascial restriction or an adhesion, and that can feel like, you know, a knot basically when, if you've ever gotten a massage and the massage therapist gets into that knot. That fascial adhesion then can, you can have a massage therapist or someone hold it. You can do some foam rolling on it. You can do sustained pressure on a tennis ball or on these little myofascial release balls in order to help really get that fascia remodeled. And it happens in real time. Literally you're, you're kind of melting and shifting and changing the fascia going from a dehydrated state to a much more hydrated state. And that allows the body to form this exclusion zone water, this biological water 
that then becomes this receiver. This, this it's, it's a liquid crystal that's this receiver of all the light frequencies. And so we want to make sure we're breaking up areas of fascia that feel like they're tight and restricted. Or if we're in the same position all day long, we want to make sure we're doing full range of motion activity also to keep that fascia hydrated as well. Um, it, the, the last little thing I want to add about this is there is actually, I, I've uh, done a lot of continuing education with people who do um, bioregulatory medicine. So it's, it's more of a, a European concept in medicine, but they will literally do scar injection therapies to help with things like Lyme disease. So literally you inject a C-section scar to break down that scar tissue. And all of a sudden this person feels better from their Lyme disease or from their fibromyalgia or from chronic fatigue or whatever it might be. And it's because scars can be an interference in the network, in this conductivity that's happening. So simply just finding maybe where we had scars, like with my surgery here, or, you know, I've had knee surgery, right? I've got a lot, and I've really worked on those scars. It's amazing once that those scar, that scar tissue is broken up and we're doing full range of motion movements, we literally create a more powerful communication network in the body. Oh my God. They treated Lyme disease by hydrating scar tissue. It's one of the things that they'll do, right? In term, because it's called an interference field. So in this bioregulatory medicine, it's called an interference field. And this interference field goes to, well, what's being interfered with right there? Well, it's the conduction of energy, electricity, light along. I mean, I mean, Mei Wen Ho will say it would be proteins or proton superconductivity. Like, right, there's, there's something that's supposed to be transmitted. And that scar, wherever it is, is blocking the transmission. And basically at the subatomic particle level, we're just talking about energy and, and light and information. And so it's the blockage of information. It's like saying, okay, I'm going to send an email with my ethernet based cable, but I'm going to cut the cable, right? That email will never go where it needs to go because I just cut the way that the information travels. Wow. That is so cool. Super I have cool. not heard about that. Yep. Yeah, it's super neat. I love, I absolutely love it. I mean, that's right. That's where like the weirdness of massage and biology and quantum biology, it all comes together. And it's been pretty neat to, to see these connections. Yeah, no, it's so cool. And I love, like, I love, love, love talking to people who've been guided by their intuition because they, their stories are always like this, right? Like, okay, uh, undergrad in biology coupled with massage therapy coupled with like, and, and then you're able to see things in the world mm -hmm. so clearly yeah. because you followed your unique blueprint. Good for I, you, Carrie. Thank you. I really, well I appreciate done, that validation. <laughs> I, re I really appreciate that. It's, I, I do sometimes, I have to tone, I kind of have to tone it down sometimes because I know clients are coming to me and they're like, I want to lose weight or I want to improve, like, you know, improve insulin sensitivity or, you know, I've got some inflammation going on with autoimmunity. And part of me wants to be like, okay, let's talk about protons, electrons, photons, and exclusion zone water. And blah, and so, and but I realize I kind of have to tone it down a notch, but it really all is connected. And once people start to just kind of grasp this concept of how things are all interacting with each other, it becomes more of a, oh, okay, I get how this impacts that. And I find that clients are more 
find, find what I call wins, like find their wins in smaller things because they understand that a small stimulus at the quantum level impacts the whole in a really profound way. So if a win was simply, Hey, this whole week, I saw every sunrise and every sunset. I was only out there for 30 seconds, but, but that's like the biggest win in my world, right? I saw a sunrise and a sunset. And at the quantum level, that can be a game changer in terms of the healing capacity of the body. Right? right? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love how you explain it. Thank you so much, Carrie. That was just fantastic. But the, the one, the one interesting thing that I have. Okay. So this, is, let me just end this, like talk about how fascia, fascia actually generates sound. So it can generate its own sound and not a lot has been done on sound waves and like, at least I haven't learned a ton about sound waves and its ability to impact the, this quantum network, although I know it, it happens. And so fascia actually makes its own sound and different types of sound when it's sliding against each other. So part of that slide will hydrate it, but then it also is generating its own vibrational frequencies that we then know via the work <clears throat> of this uh, researcher, I think he's at Ohio State, John Stuart Reed, who uh, shows that actually this can help build exclusion zones that, uh, you know, based on Gerald Pollack's work, this hydration aspect. So this, this exclusion zone water simply based on the sound alone and that different sounds can do different types, will, will build different types of exclusion zones. And so that's fascinating, right? Because sound could be um, you know, a song that we like. Sound could be just us humming. Sound, sound could be a lot of things for us. And so that aspect of how sound interacts with tissues to interact kind of at that subatomic particle scale is just a fascinating area in my brain. Yeah, that is super cool. And we've actually had a couple emails of people being like, light is really important. When are you going to do sound? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the fascia has its own thing called second harmonic generation. Well, I should say the, the, the exclusion zone water that's in this liquid crystalline form inside of the body. So you, you've got this fascial network, right? And it forms this, it interacts with the water. So water surrounds all of our fascia and this water creates what's called a liquid crystal. That's Gerald Pollack's work. And this liquid crystal, we know that it can generate what's called second heart. It's, it's called second harmonic generation. So when a photon of light interacts with it, it actually changes the wavelength of the photon of, of, the, of the light pattern. Um, and it creates its own vibration, its own resonance frequency, its own resonance. And and um, so there's this, uh, so my brain goes to, okay, well, what is the implications of that in terms of human physiology at the, at the really subatomic particle level? Yeah, uh, so cool. Cool. Is that, is that would be like the area of sound healing and that kind of thing? I think it's sound healing. I think that has to do with sound healing. I think that's also even things like thought, because I think thought is its own internal sound. And if thought is its own internal sound, we know thought is generates its own electromagnetic waves frequencies. And so my own internal sound, what does that look like in terms of the health of my body? I think my internal thoughts, my internal sound interacts with this water network, this liquid crystal in my body and sends a message to the body. And so that's why we also oftentimes see, I think we see postural changes in conjunction with specific conditions. So for example, depression, right? And so 
we get this interaction of my own internal thinking and then the the fascial network and this these restrictions that happen and we get this this posture that then this posture reinforces this poor conductivity of the information everywhere that just that just then may reinforce these thought patterns as well so i really think that whole system is interrelated so interesting mm -hmm. You're going to have such an interesting career, Carrie. <laughs> thank you. I, I really, really appreciate interacting with, with you both. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.